I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Got a great show for you today here at the very end of our Christmas season. Of course, tomorrow we celebrate the baptism of the Lord. Uh, This year that falls on the 10th of January, but it it moves around because it's going to fall on a Sunday each year. And so now we are officially today at the end of our Christmas season. So if you're ready to take down your decorations, if that tree has just had it, uh, if you bought a live tree, well then uh, now you have permission to take it down, to put the Christmas albums away for the year until next time around, right? But don't start too early, right? Don't start playing that Christmas music at, at October when everyone else does. No, wait until after Advent to really pull out the uh, the Christmas music. Uh, last year we tried that, right? We tried just really hard. We were not going to listen to Christmas music until until Christmas, And so Advent was kind of, uh, we were longing for it. We were really waiting for it. There's only like one or two Advent CDs out there. And so you you do what you can. Uh, This year I made a concession, right? Because uh, most of the songs that we listen to around Christmas time are not really Christmas songs, right? Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow has nothing to do with the incarnation of Christ. Uh, And so I, I made the concession that, okay, well, we can listen to the Bing Crosby. We can listen to the Christmas Brass. We can listen to all those things before Christmas, but let's save the carols. Right. Let's at least save the carols for Christmas time. So uh, we did that. We were successful. And we're just now just about ready to put the Christmas music away and start listening to some other stuff. Uh, I wonder what it's like in your house. Why don't you tell me what your favorite Christmas carol is? I want to know. Uh, and you can tell me by going over to our social media, either on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. And just give it the hashtag favorite Christmas carol, right? Hashtag favorite Christmas carol. And let me know what your favorite carol is. Uh, We've asked that question once before, but didn't really get a whole lot of responses. So I want to hear from you again here as we're coming to a close on our Christmas season. What's your favorite Christmas carol? Tomorrow we're celebrating the baptism of the Lord. And that is something that, uh, you know, we're past the 12 days of Christmas, right? Because that ends Uh, at Epiphany, but not the Epiphany that you celebrated in church, because that's a feast day that's been moved. Rather, uh, the Epiphany that occurs on January 6th at the end of the 12 days of Christmas, right? So uh, what is Epiphany? Well, Epiphany means a manifestation, or it means uh, uh, basically the, the revealing of Christ. And traditionally in Epiphany, they celebrated three biblical events. They celebrate Uh, The coming of the three wise men, Three Kings Day is another name for it in some cultures. Uh, They celebrated the wedding of Cana, Christ revealing himself as he does in the Gospel of John there at the wedding of Cana. And lastly, uh, revealing himself through the baptism of the Lord, where God speaks from a cloud and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Uh, Well, I don't know if you knew that or not, because most of the time when we think about Epiphany, we think about the three kings, and that's kind of a common uh, common thing throughout history. And so in 1955, Pope Pius XII instituted a brand new feast, and he separated out the baptism of the Lord from Epiphany 
and really extended that Christmas season just a little bit longer. Uh, so you can thank Pope Pius XII for, for that convention uh, to help us really focus in to not miss the baptism of the Lord because it's a very important event uh, that was being overshadowed. And so he wanted to make sure that we celebrated it rightly. So we're going to do that today just a little bit. Uh, as we talk about the year of mercy, as we talk about baptism as a way of mercy, and uh, anything else that comes up to mind. So as we begin, as always, let us start in prayer, in Scripture, and in a reading from church history. Today's readings are going to come from today. We're not going to skip ahead. We're going to stay with the Saturday, uh, the Saturday after Epiphany, before, of course, the baptism of the Lord. Our Redeemer desired to be baptized in the Jordan by John. Let us make our petition to him. Lord, send forth your Spirit upon us. Christ, servant of God, the Father acknowledged you as his own Son with whom he was pleased. Send forth your Spirit upon us. Christ, chosen one of God, you did not break the crushed reed or extinguish the wavering flame. Have mercy on all who are seeking you in good faith. Christ, Son of God, the Father called you to be a light to the nations in the new covenant. Open the eyes of the blind by the waters of baptism. Christ, Savior of mankind, the Father anointed you with the Holy Spirit for the ministry of salvation. Lead all mankind to see you and to believe in you, that they may have eternal life. Christ, our hope, you lead those in darkness to the light of salvation. Receive our departed brothers and sisters into your kingdom. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Almighty, eternal God, when the Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan, you revealed him as your own beloved Son. Keep us, your children born of water and the Spirit, faithful to our calling. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading and this Saturday after Epiphany, comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 5. Beloved, we have this confidence in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked Him for is ours. If anyone sees his brother sinning, if the sin is not deadly, he should pray to God, and He will give him life. This is only for those whose sin is not deadly. There is such a thing as deadly sin, about which I do not say that you should pray. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that is not deadly. We know that anyone begotten by God does not sin, but the one begotten by God he protects, and the evil one cannot touch him. We know that we belong to God and the whole world is under the power of the evil one. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us discernment to know the one who is true, and we are in the one who is true, 
in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Children, be on your guard against idols. This reading comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 5. Our responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 149. The Lord takes delight in his people. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in their Maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. The Lord takes delight in His people. Let them praise His name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to Him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord loves His people, and He adorns the lowly with victory. The Lord takes delight in His people. Today's Gospel comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Jesus and his disciples went into the region of Judea, where he spent some time with them baptizing. John was also baptizing in Aenon near Salim, because there was an abundance of water there, and people came to him to be baptized. For John had not yet been imprisoned. Now a dispute arose between the disciples of John and a Jew about ceremonial washings. So they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, The one who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you testified, here he is baptizing, and everyone is coming to him. John answered and said, No one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said that I am not the Christ, but that I was sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The best man who stands and listens for him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made complete. He must increase. I must decrease. That reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Today's reading from church history comes from St. Gregory of Nazianzus. Christ is bathed in light. Let us also be bathed in light. Christ is baptized. Let us also go down with him and rise with him. John is baptizing when Jesus draws near. Perhaps he comes to sanctify his baptizer. Certainly, he comes to bury sinful humanity in the waters. He comes to sanctify the Jordan for our sake and in readiness for us. He who is spirit and flesh comes to begin a new creation through the spirit and water. The Baptist protests. Jesus insists. Then John says, I ought to be baptized by you. He is a lamp in the presence of the Son, the voice in the presence of the Word, the friend in the presence of the Bridegroom the greatest of all born of women in the presence of the firstborn of all creation, the one who leapt in his mother's womb in the presence of him who was adored in the womb, the forerunner and the future forerunner in the presence of him who has already come and who is to come again. I ought to be baptized by you. We should add also, And for you. For John is to be baptized in blood, washed clean like Peter, not only by the washing of his feet, 
Jesus rises from the waters and the world rises with him. The heavens like paradise with its flaming sword closed by Adam for himself and his descendants are rent open. The spirit comes to him as to an equal bearing witness to his Godhead. A voice bears witness to him from heaven, his place of origin. The spirit descends in bodily form like the dove that so long ago announced the ending of the flood and so gives honor to the body that is one with God. Today, let us do honor to Christ's baptism and celebrate this feast in holiness. Be cleansed entirely and continue to be cleansed. Nothing gives such pleasure to God as the conversion and salvation of men, for whom his every word and every revelation exists. He wants you to become a living force for all mankind, lights shining in the world. You are to be radiant lights as you stand beside Christ, the great light, bathed in the glory of him who is the light of heaven, You are to enjoy more and more the pure and dazzling light of the Trinity, as now you have received, though not in its fullness, a ray of its splendor, proceeding from the one true God. In Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Gregory of Nazianzus. And I love that picture that he gives of of John the Baptist, saying that he was a lamp in the presence of the sun. And then as he goes on, he then turns to us. He turns to you and he points at you and says, Now, we've talked about how inadequate that lamp was in the presence of the sun, and yet now you need to go and become that lamp like John the Baptist. You create and, and reflect the splendor of our God. You go out and reflect the mercy of our God and the character of our God as you go about your daily life. We've got a lot more to talk about as the show continues and we talk about mercy, the year of mercy and the baptism of the Lord, a feast that occurs tomorrow. We'll be right back. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Got a great show for you today. We're talking about mercy here at the beginning of the year of mercy. Lots to talk about. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Oh, let earth receive her king. And what does that mean? it mean for us to receive our king other than to say that we acknowledge we're not in charge right we acknowledge that there is a power and an authority that's beyond us that's over us that that directs us and and creates laws for us but they are divine laws they are laws that give life and not laws that bring death Uh, they are laws that 
encourage the soul. And so we're talking today about mercy. And what is mercy other than to be a person who proclaims the, what has been decreed by the king, right? Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And of course, I am completely within my rights to talk about that because we have not yet made it to the baptism of the Lord. That's tomorrow. Uh, at which point in time I will stop with the Christmas bumper music. I will stop with all of the festivities. Yes, it will be ordinary again. Ordinary time for just a a few weeks until, of course, we get back to Lent because there's a very brief time of ordinary time here in between the Christmas and Lent seasons. So let's talk today about mercy. Let's talk about being those ambassadors of that kingdom Uh, And what that looks like for us, what that looks like for us uh, as we participate in the mercy of Jesus Christ. So we are in a Jubilee year of mercy. It was declared by Pope Francis uh, last year. He said that it was going to be happening. Uh, And that opened up uh, fairly recently before the the year flipped over. And so we're going to talk about the year of mercy in conjunction with talking about New Year's, New Year's resolutions. What was your New Year's resolution? Why don't you tell me? You can tell me over on social media. Our Facebook account is facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Our Twitter account, we have a Twitter. It's at outside the walls. Uh, And you can pop right on over there to your favorite social media platform of choice and, uh, and let us know what your New Year's resolution is. Just write hashtag 2016 resolution and uh, let us know what it looks like for you. I'll tell you what it looks like for me. I'm going to experience the year of mercy a little bit uh, with a little bit more intentionality. I'm going to participate. I'm going to strive every day to participate in the works of mercy. Now, what's a work of mercy? Ha ha! I'm glad you asked. There are two lists, because the Catholic Church likes lists. You know, there are people out there, they like lists. My daughter, my middle daughter, she will go out and she will put something on a list just to be able to check it off. It's already been finished. She's already done it, but she's got to put it on the list or it's not done. So she puts it on the list and checks it off. Well, the Catholic Church likes lists as well, and she gives them uh, to us to help us better understand things. So here we have two lists, uh, the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. The corporal works of mercy are those acts of mercy which we do in our bodies for someone else in their body, right? And that'll make more sense here in a moment. And the spiritual acts of mercy are those acts of mercy that are not necessarily tangible, but are mercy nonetheless. And so we're going to talk for this show about what it means to live out a life of mercy. And I want to start this this time together, this uh, second and third segments as we talk about mercy. I want to start this with the prayer of Pope Francis that he gave to us uh, for this year of mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, you have taught us to be merciful like the Heavenly Father and have told us that whosoever sees you sees him. Show us your face, and we will be saved. Your loving gaze freed Zacchaeus and Matthew from being enslaved by money. 
the adulteress and Magdalene, from seeking happiness only in created things, made Peter weep after his betrayal, and assured paradise to the repentant thief. Let us hear, as if addressed to each one of us, the words that you spoke to the Samaritan woman. If you knew the gift of God. You are the visible face of the invisible Father, of the God who manifests his power above all by forgiveness and mercy. Let the church be your visible face in the world, its Lord risen and glorified. You willed that your ministers would also be clothed in weakness, in order that they may feel compassion for those in ignorance and error. Let everyone who approaches them feel sought after, loved, and forgiven by God. Send your Spirit, and consecrate every one of us with His anointing, so that the jubilee of mercy may be a year of grace from the Lord, and your Church, with renewed enthusiasm, may bring good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to captives and the oppressed, and restore sight to the blind. We ask this of you, Lord Jesus, through the intercession of Mary, Mother of Mercy, you who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so what does it take for you and for me to be more merciful in this coming year? How do we, how do we live out mercy? Uh, you know, because most of the time we think about having mercy on someone with whom we have a problem, right? Well, I'm angry at you, or, uh, well, you have offended me, but, and I have power over you, but I'm going to have, I'm going to take pity and I'm going to have mercy on you, and I'm not going to do to you what I was going to do to you. And so for us, that's kind of our concept of mercy, but that's not the concept that the church gives us. So we're going to start off here in this segment. We're going to talk about the corporal works of mercy, what it means for us through some physical act, through our bodies, to have mercy on someone else in a physical way. And the corporal works of mercy really, in large part, are pulled straight from the Gospel of Matthew in the 25th chapter, where you see at the end of all days, Jesus Christ separating the sheep from the goats. And he does so uh, by looking at how they lived out these corporal works of mercy. And they're this, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit the prisoners, to bury the dead, and to give alms to the poor. And so here we have a very different picture of mercy. It, it's not a sense of uh, withholding from someone what they deserve, but it, rather it's lifting someone out of a very difficult scenario for the person who's hungry to provide them with food, whether that be in your own home, which is certainly a possibility, or whether that be through participating in a community food bank and participating in uh, working with your church to provide meals for those who are uh, unable to purchase it for themselves for one reason or another, whether it be through uh, feeding the homeless at a homeless shelter or working with Catholic charities. Uh, there are all kinds of ways that that we can participate in mercy. But what I want to encourage you to do is this, to allow yourself within your own mind to personify the person who's receiving your mercy, right? So often it can become very easy to, uh, to go buy some canned goods for a food drive and to drop them off at the church and, and, and never picture and never empathize 
that person who's going to be receiving this. It, it can become so sanitized and we remove ourselves from the poor uh, even as we help them. And, and I want to encourage you to be a little bit more intentional in that mercy. Uh, when you go and you buy food for the food pantry, that's excellent. Thank you very much. And the food pantries need that. But then go one day, just one day, and go work in the distribution of that food. Go and see the people. Go and see the people and hear the stories uh, that, that have affected their life. And perhaps a person may be, uh, may be over-exaggerating their story, and that's okay, right? They don't have to be completely truthful for us to be completely merciful. We're called to be a people of mercy, to provide opportunities for that person to feel approached and desired and forgiven by God. And that's what we're doing. And so maybe it takes five or 10 or 50 encounters before they see that the, uh, the exaggerations are unnecessary, right? That we are living out the gospel. We are giving what Christ has asked us to give. To, to f- give drink to the thirsty, right? It's right along those same lines. To make sure that someone who is without has what they need. To shelter the homeless. Oh, this one's a little bit, maybe a little bit scarier, right? To, to give what someone doesn't have. To shelter. These are the basic human needs without which a person cannot live, right? Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless. You know, that could be as simple as someone, uh, someone didn't have enough rent uh, and they had to leave their apartment and they just need a place to crash for a couple of weeks, right? Uh, people have done that for me back in my, uh, my earlier days in between college and, and grad school. Um, I was just one of those people who, okay, my lease is up and I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't think I'm going to still be living here. I need a place to stay. And someone sheltered me and I was, I was homeless. I've done it for a friend of mine who, uh, who was getting married and his lease ran out and he didn't want to move in with his fiance. And I, I said, why don't you come and, and be with us? And so that's one way to shelter the homeless, but also to work with homeless shelters to go in and visit the, the soup kitchens, to go in and participate and intersect and interact with those who need mercy and see their stories and hear what they have to say. And I think the biggest part of this is to realize that these people are, in fact, people, right? This is a person who, who has a story, who has hopes, who has dreams, who desperately needs the mercy of Jesus Christ, And we, his ambassadors, we can offer that mercy, visiting the sick, visiting the prisoners, burying the dead and giving alms to the poor. All of these things are ways that we can participate in showing the mercy of Jesus Christ and becoming more and more like Christ to give hope to a fearful world. Lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about the spiritual works of mercy when we come back right around the corner. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. You're listening to Outside the Walls. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about mercy. Here we are, we're talking about the year of mercy. Seems appropriate as we come out of the Christmas season. Of course, tomorrow is the baptism of the Lord, the feast of the baptism of the Lord, which ends the Christmas season. No more Christmas music after that. This is our last week. We're going to get it in good while we can. But isn't this appropriate? Isn't this appropriate to, to talk about this year of mercy right as we conclude the incarnation of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ has come for the explicit purpose of bringing mercy to the world, to bringing mercy to you and to me. And we, we hear these corporal acts of mercy just now, and we think, oh, wow, well, think about all those, those uh, poor people who, who need that kind of stuff. Well, glad that's not me. You know, we have received mercy, you and I, for all of the, the benefits and the privileges that we've been given, all of the blessings that we've been given. Uh, and if you're listening to this show, chances are you've been given a great deal of blessings. You're listening on a radio or on a smartphone. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, but we, we too, we've received mercy. We've received the mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ who came, took on human flesh, sanctified uh, sanctified you and I through the waters of baptism and gave us the opportunity to live a life of holiness that reflects his mercy. Ah, it's cyclic, right? It's bringing us back around and now we have to be the incarnation of Christ, not in a divine way, but in the way that we make manifest, that we put flesh on Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so we're talking today about the year of mercy, uh, lots of resources, lots of things going on during this Jubilee Year of Mercy. And it's going to be different from diocese to diocese. So I want to encourage you to look up your diocese website. A diocese is a regional, for those who don't know, it's a region of the church. And every diocese has a bishop, and that bishop is the head of that particular church. Uh, just and, and the Pope, of course, is the first among equals, and he is the bishop of the Diocese of Rome. And so uh, I want you to look at what your diocese is doing. Look to see if they have a holy door. Uh, if you don't know what a holy door that's, uh, is, uh, that's okay. You can Google it, uh, put quotes around holy door, and uh, it will come up pretty quick. Uh, or you can also go to the Vatican website, vatican.va. Make sure that you click over to make it English because it's going to start out in Italian and, and uh, I don't speak Italian. Maybe you do and, you know, more power to you. But uh, at the top right corner, you can very easily switch that to English. And then there's a button. It's a white button with a kind of an icon, orange and blue looking person. Uh, and so click that. That is the, the website for the Year of Mercy, the Jubilee Year of Mercy. And so lots of information there as well from... Uh, prayers of the Holy Father uh, from the from the papal uh, document that was uh, written to launch the year of mercy, talking about the various uh, 
holy doors, talking about probably uh, the the various initiatives that Pope Francis has asked for people to do all around the world. For instance, in uh, in March, there's going to be 24 hours of adoration uh, all around the world because the Pope has asked us to do it. And we said, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do this as part of the Year of Mercy. Uh, there's going to be confession offered very regularly. Uh, if you've had trouble going, now's the time to do it, right? Go back uh, and find your way back into the sacraments. Go to the sacrament of confession. And so uh, lots of things happening here in this year of mercy. You can find out about them by your own diocese website, where that, whatever that happens to be, or by going to the Vatican website, vatican.va, clicking in that right-hand corner. There's four images, and it's the, the one that's white with a kind of blue and reddish-orange person on it. Uh, and you can find out more about that beautiful thing coming up this year. So here we are. We're in the midst of the Jubilee. Uh, and it's important for us to, to think about what do we mean Jubilee? It's not just like, uh, you know, the, the animatronic bears. That's a jamboree, right, over in, uh, in Disney World. No, we're talking about a, a biblical principle that was given to the children of Israel in the Pentateuch, in those first five books of the Bible. And the Jubilee was a year that happened every 50 years, uh, was how it was initially slated to be. And in the Jubilee year, everyone who had sold property, right, maybe they, uh, maybe they couldn't afford uh, to feed their family for a period of time, so they sold that property. Well, on the Jubilee year of mercy, all the property would return to the original family, that original owner. Uh, and then if you found yourself destitute and had to be someone else's servant— uh, and of course, slavery was very different back then. It was more of a indentured servitude rather than uh, the, the chattel slavery that we had in the United States. But uh, even that person who had to, uh, to make themselves someone else's servant, uh, well, every 50 years, that, that family, that person was released, right? And so here you have Jubilee, this beautiful picture of mercy given to us as God is first revealing himself to his first people right there at the very beginning. And so now here we in the church, we've co-opted, we've uh, customized this idea of a jubilee. And in the year of jubilee, we explore mercy. Uh, even when it's not the jubilee of mercy, we still explore this idea of mercy. And uh, there, there is extra forgiveness. There are extra plenary indulgences that are granted course, that's a show for another day, but there, these things are granted to us in that Jubilee year, and that's all things that you can find there on that Vatican website or on your own diocese website, and I encourage you to look into the ways that you can participate. So in the last segment, we were talking about the, the corporal acts of mercy, of, of feeding the hungry and giving drink to the thirsty and sheltering the homeless visiting the sick, visiting the prisoners, burying the dead, and giving alms to the poor. These are all exceptionally important things that Christ has called us to. And, and in Matthew 25, in fact, says uh, that those who did not do these things uh, to the least of those his brethren did not do it to him, and they were the goats. He sent them away. He said, I did not know you. Well, we who are desiring to live lives of holiness, to look like Christ, to be a manifest presence for Christ in this world, we are called 
to these corporal acts of mercy. And not just to giving money to them, although that's very helpful, but to actually participate in those things. Now I want to talk in this segment, and maybe a little in the next, about the spiritual works of mercy. They are to counsel the doubtful, to instruct the ignorant, to admonish the sinner, to comfort the sorrowful, to forgive injuries, to bear wrongs patiently, and to pray for the living and the dead. Now, uh, these first few, uh, we generally don't think as being very merciful, right? In our society, sometimes we think of these things as being a little judgy, right? To counsel the doubtful and set them straight, right? To instruct the ignorant. So this is uh, Facebook's favorite uh, corporal work of mercy. And, and oftentimes it's not too terribly merciful. Instruct those ignorant people. Somebody is wrong on the internet. Uh, and yet this is not the way that we're called to do it, right? To admonish the uh, the sinner. Those three, man, you, you start engaging in those things. And whether you do it in a merciful way or not, uh, most people kind of bristle. They don't like the idea of you coming and, and telling them what for. And yet, uh, this is truly a way of mercy because we are looking not at necessarily at how someone uh, feels, not of whether they are uh, hurt or offended, because as a friend of mine says, the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you angry, right? Truth will make you angry and then it will set you free. Uh, but we're looking at the eternal perspective, we're looking at what will be bring about the best for someone in the long run. Now, in doing this, as you instruct the ignorant, you can't be uncharitable. You can't be harsh. You can't uh, be snide because that is not merciful. That's more of a an older brother in that, uh, in that parable of the lost prodigal son, right? That older brother, well, <laughs> you were wrong. No, the, the person who instructs the ignorant does so in a, in a compassionate way. You know, I've noticed this. Let me come and, and come alongside you and, and show you something. Let me teach you about the faith. Let me teach you uh, in, in a way that isn't uh, harsh. And so to counsel the doubtful, everybody has doubt. And I think that if we were to pretend, oh, gosh, you're asking that question, we chase people away when, uh, when we act like we have all the answers and we've never had any, any doubts. And so those moments of doubt that we've had, they should give us compassion for the person who now has doubt. Uh, and so we tell them. We tell them our story. We tell them how we came through. Uh, in the book of Revelation, it says they, the, 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 the people who are before the throne of God, they overcame. Uh, they overcame trials. They overcame tribulations. They overcame temptations. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the word of their testimony, Right. And so our own story has power, not only for ourselves, but for those who are around us who very much need mercy uh, because they are in a period of doubt or they're in a period of error, uh, whether that be through knowledge or whether that be through uh, actually engaging in sin, as we heard about in one of our readings today, the, the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about here in the, court, the spiritual works of mercy. Uh, and how we can live the mercy of Jesus Christ to those who are around us in our circle of influence. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about the Jubilee Year of Mercy, about how the incarnation of Jesus Christ makes mercy possible. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. So glad that you have joined me today. If you've missed any part of this show, you can get all of the archives, all of them, every last episode, over at OutsideTheWalls.com. OutsideTheWalls.com. You can also engage in this conversation with me over on Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. And we're talking today about mercy. We've been talking about the the corporal and the spiritual acts of mercy, the works of mercy, and uh, and what it means for us here in this new year, this year of mercy, uh, to engage a little bit more intentionally in merciful acts. So we're talking about those first three spiritual works of mercy, to, uh, to counsel the doubtful, to instruct the ignorant, and to admonish the sinner, those things that uh, people often associate with uh, judgment and you know, you, you bring something up in a, in a compassionate way and they say, well, you're judging me. And that can, you know, really rattle us. It can put us off guard. And, and it's important for you to know that it is possible to do these three works of mercy without, in the least, being judgmental. Uh, we're not saying anything about the eternal state of their soul, but we can judge the tree by its fruit. Right now, I do want to encourage you, and specifically in these three, uh, and, and we're going to get to this a little bit in admonishing the sinner. One of my uh, mentors back in the day had this phrase that rebuke without relationship breeds rebellion. Rebuke without relationship breeds rebellion. I think think that this is what uh, the John, the apostle John, was getting at as he talked about if you see someone who's sinning and it's a sin that does not lead to death, just pray for him. You don't need to go up and correct him. If this is a venial sin, just pray for them, uh, unless you have relationship with them to the place where they would listen to what you have to say, right? And so th- this is important that maybe if you see something that's disturbing to you, that you think this is really a dangerous position for them to be in for the state of their soul, the first thing that you should do is not to bring that correction, but rather to pursue that relationship. Because without that relationship, all you're going to do is push them further away and not draw them in. So remember that as we counsel the doubtful, we do so from a position of, of kindness, of mercy, of sympathy, of understanding where they've been and walking with them in it. Uh, as we admonish the sinner, uh, we are supporting them. We're, you know, I've got a friend of mine. Uh, we've talked about him on the show before. I've never had him on the show. His name's Dennis Jernigan. And he was engaged... Uh, in, in serious sin, in sin that, that the book of First uh, John, that, that the Apostle John would probably think is that sin that leads to death, a mortal sin. Uh, and he was engaged in a, an unchaste lifestyle. Well, the, a, f- a friend of his came to him and said, listen, I, I know that you are struggling and I know that you don't uh, know what to do. And I don't know what to tell you. I don't have the answer, but I will walk with you. And I will live in a relationship with you. And when you fall down, I'm not going to kick you. I'm not going to you know, shout at you. I'm just going to walk with you. And we're going to together, we're going to walk toward Jesus. And that statement and that not only the statement, but the commitment to actually do it is the thing that brought him into, uh, into conversion and brought him back into a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. And so this is so important that instructing, that, that uh, admonishing the sinner is not done in a way that pushes them away, but that invites them into holiness. And we don't do that with a hammer. We do that with an arm around a shoulder. And I want to talk about these last few, comforting the sorrowful, forgiving injuries, and bearing wrongs patiently, and praying for the living and the dead. Uh, all of these things require some kind of sacrifice. They require pain. Uh, to comfort the sorrow, it is a, a difficult thing to sit with someone who is in deep grief. Uh, and, you know, we always look for the right words, and sometimes there is no right word. You just have to be present, to be the, the physical manifest presence of God in their midst. And that's a difficult thing to do, to forgive injuries. And when someone has done something to us that, that just absolutely irks us. Of course, we did a show about this a couple of weeks ago on the importance of forgiving and the danger of not forgiving. But it's a, it's a, a work of mercy to that person and to ourselves to live a life of forgiveness, to bear wrongs patiently, to not bring, you know, someone's done something to you, you've been passed over, and not only do you have to forgive, but you have to, you have to live under it. You have to bear those wrongs. And then to pray for the living and the dead. Every act of mercy requires a sacrifice. Uh, Jesus sacrificed the glories of heaven. He sacrificed then, not only that, he sacrificed his own self, his body, his life. He gave his life for us. And now he's turned over the reins to us. He says, now you get to be my presence on earth. You are the, the physical manifest presence that everyone sees. Uh, Christ was the, the face of the Father. And now, as the reading told us earlier, now we are to be the face of the Father to the world around us. And as much as mercy required a sacrifice on his part, it no less requires a sacrifice on ours. It's an uncomfortable thing to live a life of mercy whether that be through the corporal works of mercy or the spiritual works of mercy. Uh, it brings us into close proximity to things that we would generally rather not be around. Uh, those who are hungry and thirsty and sick and imprisoned and homeless. Those who are in the midst of grief or in the midst of error. And not only to be among people that, and situations that may make us uncomfortable, but also to be humble to forgive and to bear wrongs. Uh, these are things that are going to require a sort of death. It's a death of ourselves. It's a sacrifice of ourselves. And we are called to be living sacrifices. And so as we enter 2016 and you have made your New Year's resolution, I encourage you to make one of those resolutions to be intentional about living a life of mercy. And let that be a resolution that sticks. That's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her key. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.